Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Reds October podcast, episode 48, the Kiddo Davis edition, Pete Rose's favorite player. I'm your host, Coop, and tonight we've got some people to talk some Reds baseball and some other baseball happenings around the uh, planet. First off, let's welcome back our Washington Nationals correspondent, Hagai. Hagai, how are you doing? Life is good. World Series winning, as the kids on the internet say, 10 out of 10 would definitely recommend. <laughs> we also have uh, the sponsor of the podcast, Callie, is back on with us. Callie, how are you? I ate that Popeye's chicken sandwich, and it was amazing, but now I I want to die. Don't eat the whole thing. I've still never had a Popeye's chicken sandwich, because I don't want to get stabbed to death in line. It was, I get, I'm not condoning it, but I get it. <laughs> we also have Burmy back on with us. Burmy, what's up? Hey, uh, speaking of one of the die, I want to give a shout out to Ram at Uncram. <laughs> shout out to Ram. Uh, so... Our first topic tonight is going to be, we're going to recap a little bit of the World Series action with Hagai here. The Nationals won in seven games, unique in that all of the games were won by the road team. Nationals won four in Houston, and Houston won four, uh, three in Washington. Uh, so Hagai, now that uh, the Nationals are World Series champions, and Steven Strasburg and has opted out of his contract and Anthony Rendon has been given a qualifying offer. What are you thinking the national chance try that again. The Nationals chances are of re-signing one or both of those. Expectation around town is definitely that Strasburg's gonna re-sign. He surprised people by re-signing a, a long deal a couple of years ago, which kind of came out of nowhere. And because uh, at that time, people were assuming, oh, he's going to go back West Coast from San Diego. Maybe he's just going to want to leave. But he re-signed a long-term deal. And apparently, I hadn't realized this, but um, some reporters have been saying in the last couple of years that he actually moved his family to D.C. His wife and their two young kids had been living in San Diego. But then in the recent last couple of years, I guess, they moved here. So all of that indicates that he's probably not really interested in going anywhere. And he opted out. It made sense. He has the option to do it. And... He's obviously at the height of his um, uh, market value right now. He had a great year. He was actually really durable and he led, leagues in any, led the league in innings pitched. And, uh, of course, World Series MVP. So he's pretty much lining himself up to get a, a, a significant raise. But people expect that he will be back. Um, Rendon, I think people figure probably is not coming back. But it's hard to say because he is just... He just doesn't say anything to anybody <laughs> about anything. I mean, you can he's respect that, though. Quiet. What's that? So you can respect that, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that, that's helped. That really helped the team, I think, to have um, the best player this year be a guy who just is completely um, easygoing, doesn't call attention to himself, that sort of let other p- people's uh, personalities sort of be more comfortable. I think that, that definitely helped their chemistry. Um so, yeah, I mean, those are obviously the two big names. They have other old guys. I mean, I think this is a team that is set up where they have some, I mean, their starting rotation is really good. And if they recent Strasburg, then they're still great there. Um, and they have the young guys in the outfield with Soto and Robles, who are both extremely inexpensive. And Adam Eaton, they just picked up an option for him. So their entire outfield costs like $11 million or something. So that's where they're uh, getting a lot of bang for the buck. And But with a team as old as as it is, as they kept saying in the playoffs, it was the oldest team on the average in, in Major League Baseball, although I'm guessing a lot of that was Fernando Rodney himself being 100 years old. <laughs> um, but a lot of their key guys are certainly well in their 30s. So um, it's the kind of team that's, that maybe would take a pretty, you might expect to take a pretty big step back. Certainly if Rendon leaves, you would expect them to um, not to be as much in uh, contention next year. So, but I don't know. I mean, I, people are not too worried about that here, which is one the damn World Series. For the first time ever, people are riding that high. I don't think there's a lot of concern. Uh, I mean, of course, fans want the guys to come back, but 
not a ton of concern about um, uh, how it's going to go for the mean for the the meantime. I know that I, I believe Howie Kendrick is also a free agent too. Is that correct? Yes, yes, he is, and he's like thirty five, thirty six, yeah, and <laughs> coming off an amazing year. I mean, he was right. He was season, so. Uh, so, Burmy, if the Nationals can't, let's just let's just foreshadow that they can't resign both those guys or only resign one. What what do you think the chances are of the Reds making a serious offer at Rendon? I, d- I don't see the Reds getting in on Strasburg just because, for some reason, I just don't see a fit. But, I mean, I would love to have, to have him, but still. What do you think of uh, the Reds' chances of Rendon now that we're post-World Series? Yeah, I, I just to touch on the Strasburg point, I think you're right there, and um, I think they'd have a better chance than a guy like uh, – uh, Julio Tehran, you know, getting let go by the Braves. That's more, uh, you know, where the Reds are now. I think that'd be more, obviously, more affordable, but more realistic just from a history standpoint of what they do. Um, but yeah, Anthony Rendon, I don't know, less than 5%. Uh, he's going to want max years, max dollars. And not that his age should be that much of a concern because he's 29 and going into his age 30 season, I believe. But he's going to want seven to eight years at about 30 million a year. And I just don't see the Reds making an offer for a guy like that, you know, at a ridiculous mark of $240 million over eight years. Can they afford it? Sure. But just because just they, they could theoretically do it doesn't mean they will or should. Um, if Rendon was willing to do one of those four-year, you know, $140 million contracts, I would be all for it in heartbeat. So that's a, you know, I think it's about less than 5%. Yeah, I think that Strasburg made himself a ton of money with his World Series performance. I could see him. I mean, he had the four years, $100 million left. Like, like you were saying, I could see him getting $200 million, maybe like over six years. Mm-hmm. Especially with like the Angels, who I think will be in on him and Garrett Cole. You know, For some reason, the Angels don't get Garrett Cole. I think they go heavily after Strasburg. Or if Strasburg goes first, they'll go heavily after Garrett Cole. But I could see the Angels you know, being in play for both those guys because – Mike Trout's, you know, he's been in his prime for, you know, since he got into the league, but he's now entering those prime years of his career, and I think they're going to do everything they can to try to, you know, win a win a title down there. Callie, your thoughts on these Nationals free agents and how they could potentially fit with the Reds? Uh, I don't think that they're going to go after any of them. I don't think they're going to pay that much money, but I don't know. I would love if Rendon would play for us. I just don't think they're going to pay him that much money. Yeah. I like Barmy said, five percent or less is the chances. I know it's kind of a pipe dream, but he's just so damn good. <laughs> I he mean, a guy so can tell you he he's was, just so damn good. He, he sure is. So um, one uh, number that was specifically reported in a Washington Post article by their Nats beat writer. I'll just mention to you guys here. I, I pulled it up. So paragraph from last week, and they said, um, so as we talked about with you guys a few years ago, uh, years ago, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, um, it uh, seems like uh, Nolan Arenado. It does seem like years ago. Uh, Nolan Arenado's contract is eight years, $260 million, so that's really the market for uh, the elite third baseman like Rendon. And uh, so the Nats beat writer wrote, that puts Arenado's average annual value at $32.5 million. The Nats' latest offer put Rendon right around $30 million. If Washington bumps that up to $35 million, a person with knowledge of negotiations believes a deal could get done. And that description, a person with knowledge of negotiations, I would assume translates to Scott Boris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's probably the number they're looking at. And so at thirty-five million, yeah, seven years. I think that's seven years, two hundred forty-five. Go ahead, Barbara. Hey, guy, I, I think you're, I think you're mistaken, the guy. Uh, elite third base can go for seven years, sixty-six million. So <laughs> I think uh, I think you're grossly overpaying Anthony Rendon. <laughs> That that a Eugenio Suarez deal looks like a more and more of a steal every day. Uh, a, a funny, another funny bit from that uh, Washington Post article was they said Rendon, age twenty nine, has also expressed an interest in retiring young, though it's often hard to sift through his sarcasm. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Well, I know that's funny. <laughs> I love I love a good smartass. Joey Votto is a good smart ass too. Him and Votto should be on the same team, if in my opinion. They should play on the same side of the infield. Yes, they should. They I should. do really like Votto's. I do really like Votto's sense of humor. It was a game. It may have been against the Nats, and I'm sure he's done this against other teams where, like, uh, catching a foul ball and fans right near screaming, "Hey, throw me the ball! Throw me the ball!" And he'll pretend to do it and then just psych them out and like, "No." I'm oh not yeah, 
<laughs> one thing one thing he did to the he, he just, he's done that a lot with Cubs fans. And one time he pretended like he was going to toss it to him, and then he rocketed into the second deck. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Joey Votto is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> so why don't we move on to the next topic? And it's the fan favorite topic from last off season: the hot fucking stove. the The hot stove has started in earnest already because teams have already given out their uh, qualifying offers. Uh, players have declared free agency, and the Reds made a few roster moves uh, a couple days ago. So Jackson Stevens, Kerry Mella, if that's how you pronounce it, Christian Colon, and Titties, Derek Dietrich, were outrighted to AAA Louisville. Now, Dietrich is probably going to reject that assignment and become a free agent. There was, I mean, a lot of people thought that he would be non-tendered. This is, this is just a procedural same thing, basically. Callie, I want to start with you with Titties here. He started off so good last year, and then he went yeah, right he right into the toilet. Are you sad to see <laughs> Titties go? <laughs> I was kind of sad to see Titties go when he started kind of sucking. Honestly, <laughs> he was so much fun to watch the first the first part of last season. Definitely a highlight of the season for me. But he he fell off so hard, and uh, I mean, it sucks. It's over, but it was, it was very short lived. I feel like it's been over, so we can break up. <laughs> Burmy. Titties had an uh, an auspicious start to the season when he hit a, a big time dinger on opening day. Coop, as you and I were sitting next to each other, what a good time! Yes. And you know, I, I, you know, he played pretty pretty firmly. You know, he was very sturdy. Had a lot of support through the beginning part of the year, and then unfortunately, Titties started sucking <laughs> after a while. And uh, you know, he just kept getting hit on by pitches, and it was just uh, a really unfortunate scene the way Titty's season um, developed. I think his I think his slash line was like he hit like a buck eighty two, but his on base was like three forty, and then his slugging was like four ninety. So he has one of the crazier you know slash lines for anybody with three hundred plus plate appearances that I've ever seen. I mean it's just just kind of it's because he got for it. it's because he got hit by so many pitches. He got hit twenty five times last year, and he uh, I think he only had like nineteen singles. So I mean. Like he had the end of the season with like 18 singles, 19 homers, 25 hit by pitches, something ridiculous like that. It's uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate to see the Ohio kid go because he had so much fun, you know, play, playing with him. But I think you know he'll he'll decline that assignment and see if he can. T- I mean, I still think he'll end up in AAA to start the year anywhere. But you know, go to a lesser you know a franchise that has less going for them, which probably is about five to six franchises, and then. Yeah, you know, see if he can make his way there. I also think uh, Jackson Stevens may de- decline his assignment because I don't think he made an appearance last year, if I'm not mistaken. No, but I, he think, did, he did. I think did he, he was. I think he was called up but didn't pitch for at least, okay. at least well, once. They did that with a lot of guys. Like, Jimmy Herget, what had like five games he pitched in, and he was up from like mid-August to the end of the year, and then yeah. a little bit in like July. For some reason, Bell didn't use. You know, like him, and that is it. RJ Elaine is it Elaine? Yeah, Elaine's. Oh, I, I, yeah. Didn't use didn't use him hardly ever. There were some guys that just sat down there, R- regardless of where the season was at. He just didn't pitch them. So I wouldn't be surprised if he declines his uh, his outright assignment too. Christian Colon spent most of the year in AAA. I think he'll be fine to go back again. And then um, I forget who the fourth person was. I feel like an idiot. Kerry Mela. I think he's got one more option. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll he'll stick around. He also has been pretty much just coming up in September the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't pitched much at all. Uh, no. AAA. Yeah, so I, I think he'll obviously accept his uh you know his role down there and see if he can make his way back up. The pitching it's weird to say the pitching's really not the problem. They need some bullpen help, but you can get that in free agency pretty easily. So it's kind of weird going into an off season where the bullpen isn't necessarily the uh, or the pitching. I mean, isn't necessarily the weakest point on the team. What the fuck is going on? Well, last offseason was get the pitching. This offseason is get the hitting. Hagai, any thoughts on the legend that was Derek Dietrich for like a month? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I got nothing for you. I don't know who any of these guys are. (laughs) Here's here's my, what I'll always remember for Derek Dietrich, titties, as it were. 
the home runs he hit in Pittsburgh where he, the one that he just absolutely pimped where he dropped the bat and just stood there staring at it led to a benches clearing brawl led to a second benches clearing brawl where Yasiel Puig after being traded was on the field fighting. That's right. This is my memory. <laughs> this is what I'll always take from Derek Dietrich. So our next topic, the Reds had teased this major announcement of some of a concert that was going to be performed in Cincinnati at uh, Great American Ballpark this coming summer. So they've been teasing it for a couple weeks now, and it was announced today. And for some reason, the Reds are bringing the bloated corpse of Billy Joel to Great American Ballpark. Now, sorry, what day, what day is that concert on Coop? Well, I thank you for uh, bringing that up. It it is on September eleventh, two thousand twenty. Now, I know what you're thinking that the best way to never forget is to have an old drunk guy playing his piano, but I tell me I'm wrong here. Does Billy Joel do anything for you? And, I, and I'm and i going to start with Haggai because I know Billy Joel does something for him. Yes, I do like Billy Joel. Now, I will admit that despite being being wrongfully slandered as a boomer <laughs> <laughs> for having that opinion, I will admit it is very boomer in a sense to like him because he literally has not released an album in 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> he just, I mean, he had like 20 years of consistent success, and then he's just like, well, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just going to just gonna make money now and then and have fun and like have three wives who are, you know, 40 years younger than me. So he's living <laughs> that life and has <laughs> not really done anything else in all that time period. So shout out to him. Now, um, now here's I mean, the thing. If you want to, you know, go check it out in concert. Okay. But yeah, it's not something that really would excite most. Um, say the people that you want to bring to the ballpark, i.e. Right. Yes. who are Thank you. You know, less than 100 years old. It's not exactly <laughs> in the wheelhouse of that uh, demographic getting excited about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're in the over 60 crowd and you want to whatever. Now, there's this weird. Here's the thing. Shout out to Polly. There is a weird Northeastern obsession with Billy Joel where they put banners in their stadiums for sold-out Billy Joel concerts. I know that the Carrier Dome in Syracuse has one. I think that uh, Madison Square Garden has them. And I think there's, I don't know if Boston Garden does or whatever it is now. One of them, another one does. Who puts banners up for Billy fucking Joel concerts? Explain this to me. The Staples Center has one for Taylor Swift. All right, that's awful. No musical act should get a banner for having sold out. I'm sorry. Burmy, give me your your Billy Joel thoughts. Coop, I think it's funny, too, because the Los Angeles Kings fans complain so much they cover it up for Kings games. They cover it for Clippers games, too. I saw that the other day. Do they? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking great. I'm glad sports fans are like, I don't don't give a fuck that Taylor Swift is here. Uh (laughs) Billy Joel, I don't know. When they said a major announcement, I guess I was thinking like, I, I guess I really don't. Know. I didn't know what to expect. Like a like a big time country artist, like Garth Brooks, you know, like that's more in the baseball demographic. Getting a big country act or a big like rock, you know, rock band, you know, someone like Slayer come in there. I, mean, I don't like know. Slayer. Yes, no, that's not really rock. That's like I need a hug for my dad. But you know, whatever. <laughs> that's that, that. That's that's neither here nor there. I I just thought it was very odd. But I think the the key being. Well, one, they did it in September because they, I mean, maybe a genius marketing move because nobody goes to the ballpark in September if the team's bad. So they're they're thinking the team may not make the postseason again, so they'll need people to come out. Who knows? But also, based on the day that they're having it on, we need to apprehend Gapper pregame because True. we don't know we don't know what he's going to be up to that day. So we need to really make sure that Gapper is not in the ballpark. JBP needs to be a no-fly zone on that day. Uh, Callie, are you an uptown girl? No, no, that's actually Uptown Girl is, in my opinion, top three worst songs of all time. Uh, I used to sit next to this woman named Debbie when I worked at this newspaper. Shout out to Debbie. Worked out years ago. Shout out Debbie. She's probably still around. Debbie's text tone on her phone was fucking Uptown Girl. I heard, I heard the chorus of Uptown Girl no less than sixty-five fucking times every single day for two years, and 
I just can't do it. I can't do Billy Joel. But, um, they should have gotten men without hats. <laughs> no. as, Ka- as Callie makes love to her tonic and gin. By the way, have any of us named any potential acts that they should have brought to the stadium? Have any of them been under the age of 50? Um, no. No, I mean, Metallica and Slayer are mine, but they're all over 50, so yeah. But, um, they're like 100 or so, right? Or, they should I mean, bring, Justin, bring Justin Bieber to get the kids into it. No. No. I mean... <laughs> no. But when you think about the concerts they have had, they've had Paul McCartney, they had Jay-Z and Beyonce, and you're going to... And Billy Joel is the follow-up to that as the major... I mean, come well, on. Why haven't they asked Darius Rucker? Who's a fucking Reds fan? I would even hangs out there all the time. I would even accept like Elton John as a big concert. I could be I would be fine with that. Better than Billy Joel. Better than Billy Joel. Better than Billy Joel. It's just uh yeah, I don't it's kind of a head scratcher. You know, I don't know what the rest are thinking, you know. I mean apparently Rage Against the Machine are getting back together now. That would be major. Yeah, get those guys. That would be awesome. I would go to that. Some of those I'm that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Another good band would be like ACDC, even though they're all over like in their 60s and half of them are dead. The Big Four. Now, that would have been a big concert if they could have convinced the Big Four to play. The Big Four, of course, is Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax. They did some tours in Europe and across America a few years ago. That would be big. I'm sure GABP said Anthrax sent to it, but it sure as hell wasn't a band. (laughs) Or even like Guns N' Roses. Again, everybody's over 50. I know. but <laughs> What about fucking Rush? <laughs> Rush retired. Good. Unretire them. Get the fuck out of here. Get, get to GABP. I heard somebody mention Rolling Stones, and now you're talking about over 70. Oh, my God. Is I, the... honest to God, did not know they were alive anymore. Are, there... are they going spo- to sponsor this shit by Blue Chews? Are, they... are there no good acts... Under fifty anymore that you would consider major. I mean, I guess you could consider Taylor Swift major. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if they got Taylor Swift, that place would be sold the fuck out. But who under fifty would you consider major, other than you know, like I said, Taylor Swift, and other than some stupid bro country crap? Because I don't consider I mean, that major. Luke Luke, Luke Bryan would sell it. No, out. no, fuck that. <laughs> I'm just saying he would. I am literally only speaking in financial terms. He would sell it out. What about that marshmallow guy? Oh, I, I, yeah, they could bring someone like like. If they, what, imagine they brought like Dead Mouse. Everybody's just like rolling balls in the stands. <laughs> Can you imagine Bob Castellini sitting there watching Dead Mouse? <laughs> Dead what Mouse and I marshmallow and Skrillex. He's sitting up there like, we're going to get arrested for this. The cops are going to show up. What in tarnation? <laughs> anyway. Phil's like, lo- like Loki snorting Molly in the bathroom and his dad's out there like, what's going on in here? Yeah, Phil Castellini doing bumps of coke, listening to Marshmallow, jamming it out. <laughs> Nick, Nick Crawl crying in the corner. This is not the automated playlist I have every night before I go to bed. Calling his mom asking for a ride. Yeah. So yes. So hopefully, you know, the people from the Reds have listened to this episode and that will convince you to give me the nineteen nineteen hat. No, it's my hat now. Marty Marty Brenneman's Marty Brenneman's gonna unretire and work this entire year just so he can go to the Billy Joel concert. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Marty's gonna be there. If you know, uh, this is that's exactly a now, Alex. Now yeah. we're we're assuming that Billy Joel's still gonna be alive by then, because <laughs> this he, is because Billy Joel has this tendency of getting rip roaring drunk and crashing his car. <laughs> oh my God, a guy you know uh, about this, you you know. Yeah, I don't really know his um, uh, traffic violations <laughs> slash criminal history very well. But um, wasn't he like in a... No, he wasn't in a helicopter crash. I think it was Christy Brinkley who was in one, but that was after they divorced and she was married to somebody else. I was thinking of. Yeah, now I'll, I'll, I'll give Billy Joel that. 
he pulled Christy Brinkley. But he maybe they can just bring Tom Petty in if he dies. Well, there's a problem there. Yes. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, Todd. The Tom Petty is terrible. Oh, wait, he's friends. dead too, isn't he? Yes, he's dead, Kelly. <laughs> 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 I never liked Tom Petty. Oh. Man, we are just dragging Todd. Well, I mean, we could have Prince too if we're having the dead people. We we'll have uh, yeah. have Prince, Tom Petty, and Dio, Ronnie James, John Dio. Lennon. <laughs> we get John Lennon in there. Dio. They they have a you know how they did the the holograms for Tupac. They did a hologram for Dio, just like it. And I'm like, you go to a concert to watch a hologram sing off of a tape. I mean, yep, come apparently- on. They do that with Prince in Vegas. It's like half the guy that now does the Prince show, Adam Lambert or something, and then there's a Prince hologram for the other part of it. I don't know. People pay, people pay for that? Apparently. A shit ton of money, too. It's very expensive. Oh. I don't know. I guess yeah. people pay, I guess people pay to fly down to Orlando to go to nerd conventions, so That's anything's true. really possible. That's true. What are you getting at? Shout to Woo. Okay, so Shut let's move <laughs> Uh, hey Coop, I had a couple of other World Series takes at some point. Or oh no, go ahead. Let's let's hear the rest of your World Series takes. Okay. Uh, one, I was just gonna throw in some some Reds trivia. I had just realized. Um, look, if there maybe somebody just mentioned it. So Davey Martinez, the uh, Nats manager, of course, he played for like ten different teams in his career. And Cincinnati. I had forgotten or never knew that yeah that one of them was the Reds in '92. He played for them. Yep. And then that got me. Then I realized that of the Nationals managers ever since they moved to DC. 2005 they've had seven full-time managers five of those seven have had a connection to the reds either played for them or coached managed for them let's see you got davy johnson davy martinez right then davy johnson who of course was fired by marge shot for living in sin with his fiance yes shout out, shout, shout out to the nazis uh shout, shout out <laughs> shout, i was gonna say shout out to shacking up but that yeah, works too that works too you also have dusty baker or wasn't so bad. Yeah, uh, Dusty Baker, and um, there was Frank uh, Robinson, Jim Rig- Jim Riggleman, Jim Miggle- Riggleman, Walker. Frank Robinson, and the first was Frank Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Frank Robinson. the other two were um, there was Manny Acta who succeeded Frank Robinson who didn't have any Reds connections, and then Matt Williams who didn't have any connections either. But yeah, five of those seven. He, Manny Manny Acta did have Ohio connections with the Indians, so Raven, yeah, yeah, a lot of well, a lot of Ohio. Didn't Matt Williams play oh, for the Indians for well, a little Matt bit Williams too? too? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, I believe, it, yeah. So basically, the Nationals are like the Ohio team of of the DC area. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just, just is. go. Just say yes. <laughs> Shout out to John Wall. <laughs> um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, so something that I didn't think come up, I didn't hear come up that much when people were talking about the World Series. So, of course, there was a lot of talk about. In Game Seven, the Astros didn't never brought Garrett Cole in. Um, they left Granke in in the sixth inning. They took him out. They brought in uh, Will Harris, and immediately he gave up um, go ahead home run to Kendrick. And so people were criticizing Hinch for not bringing in Cole. And part of it, he was saying like, well, you know, the starter we don't want to bring him in in the middle of the inning. And people kind of talked about like, well, maybe we should have brought him in earlier, should have brought him in later, etc. But the whole don't bring the starter in in the middle of an inning or with guys on base. Like, as fans, shouldn't we be questioning this significantly? Because if you really think about what this is saying, so we're saying the best pitchers in the sport, which Cole was this season, he was better than everybody in both leagues, talking about the best pitchers and the biggest stage, World Series, and now we're talking Game 7 playoffs. So we're saying managers now accept pretty broadly that they can stretch their roles, their comfort zones with the starters, and they can use them as relievers in the playoffs, given the schedules and everything that that it works to use them that way. Pretty much everyone accepts that. But we're still saying, no, but you can't do it if someone's on base. That seems to be something that most people are just accepting. No. But isn't that ridiculous when you think about it? I I agree with you. AJ Hinch. These are the best pitchers in the sport. Why is it such a, like, what, they don't know how to pitch with guys on base? What what the hell is this? AJ Hinch. No absolutely blew that if if i'm going down in a game seven i'm going down with my best pitcher and if he gives it up you tip your hat and you say you know what i had my best out there you beat my best but just some that i i agree with you 100 percent that not using coal you basically 
just, um, I mean, you basically just gave away the World Series. Uh, Callie, your thoughts on that? No, I think I should have put him in. I was, I, he seemed pretty upset afterwards in some of his interviews too. Oh and, yes, he was. Uh, I don't blame him. That was, I don't know. They really should have used him. Burmy. I know this podcast doesn't have a ton of disagreement on it, but I actually disagree here. And the reason I disagree is I hate bringing starting pitchers in out of the bullpen in the postseason on the fly. If you're going to do it, it needs to be premeditated before the game so they can get loose like they do all season, multiple hours before they're going to pitch, and you have to have a plan. Now, if you need to bring them in in the middle of an inning, that's fine. But giving them 20 minutes notice to get loose after all season, they know when they're pitching. No other sport has that kind of, you know, ridiculous turnaround in the postseason. You don't see that anywhere else. So if you have the idea that it's game seven and you might want to pitch Garrett Cole later, let him get loose all day. And let him know that when the time comes, he'll go in the game. I don't I like think they did, like, though. Did yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, he was he was throwing at least an inning before that. Yeah, he had been warming up before. Now, I, but for but for how long? 30, 40 minutes? Like they warm up for hours before they start. Yeah, that I don't know. I know he was tossing at least at I, least an inning before that uh, that he, situation. I mean, I, I mean, Finch was saying like, oh, we 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 were thinking we were going to use him in the ninth inning to close the game, and. Cole, apparently, some some story said, like, he just warmed up earlier on his own, like, just to start getting warm. And I, I agree, you have to tell the guys, like, this is how we're going to use you. You can't do it on the fly. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I think going into that situation, you should have the setup of, hey, we're going to use you in this game and be prepared to, you know, we may get you in there in the middle of an inning. Because Hinch later said um, that with Granke that they were going to kind of have a quick hook in that seventh inning. And they were kind of surprised he got as far as he did anyway through six because he was just dominating. I mean, he only had pitched a one above the minimum through six innings. Like the Nats couldn't do anything at all against him. But he was just starting to go through the rotation for the through the lineup for the third time going into the seventh. So Hinch apparently had the idea of like, well, we you know, let's not leave him in there too long. Let's get him out earlier rather than later. So, I mean, I think given that that was Hinch's thinking going into that inning, I think he should have just put in Cole to start the seventh. I think they should have just taken Granky out. Yep. I think you'll accept the outcome, though, won't you? But, I mean, but still, <laughs> I think you should be ready to, like, I mean, they, you, you also just general, I'm talking not just this specific situation, but generally speaking, like, I don't know, I mean, you should tell pitchers, okay, you know, like, yeah, you're going to go in this game, we're going to have you in the bullpen, get ready to come in. And the Dodgers, I mean, they actually did it in Game 5 against the Nats in Division Series. Of course, um, uh, Kershaw ended up giving those back-to-back -back home runs to Rendon and Soto to the game in the 8th. But Kershaw had come in in the 7th with two outs, with guys on base, to face and made him look stupid. Just struck him out and made him look like a you know double-A. So that worked for the Dodgers to bring in the starter with guys on base. But then they, they left him in, and he, he gave up the home runs. But I don't know. I don't think, I think it should be a little more flexible there like if you're willing to say okay the starter can come in it's an unusual role that's fine um but why restrict yourself beyond that to say like well but not with guys on base or not in this situation not that situation that just seems like why are you putting these artificial things on on you know how you can use the guy if you're already pushing the, the boundaries then just put him in when you know when you need him i just think it throws off there it's just such a different at you know such a different atmosphere and, uh, and not, not, not in terms of the playoffs, but that's a different atmosphere altogether, obviously. But, you know, to do one thing all season or, you know, an entire career and then be asked to do something very different and, you know, get loose and get up there and get ready, which is such a different routine than what you're used to. I just think it, it sets them up to fail. And certain guys like Madison Bumgarner don't mind. They have clearly proven they can succeed in any given environment, any given circumstance. But I think a lot of guys, there's you know, there's such there's such a routine that goes into the days that they're pitching, and the fact that they don't do something like this all season, I think it really throws them off. And you know, I'm not saying they shouldn't know, you know, be able to, or you know, their pitches are any different coming out of the bullpen than they are starting the game. I just think it's very different. It's a very different mindset for them. Well, two yeah. things. Two things, real quick. Do you think it's do you think it's that much of a difference between coming in at the beginning of an inning versus coming in with guys on base? Because that seemed to be what Hinch was saying. He's like, well, I would have used him at the beginning of an inning, but not with guys on base. That that Drawing a distinction there, to me, just seems like I don't think people are questioning that nearly enough. That's well, really I, I agree with you. I, I, agree, I, I, agree, I agree with you in that sense, guy. Now, there's two things that 
with this argument. One, the Nationals did this all postseason, throwing Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg into games as relievers yes. throughout the throughout each series. So and it, Corbin it, was great out of the oh, bullpen. Oh, Corbin he was saved, amazing. He saved their bullpen in the playoffs by right. being, he was not great as a starter in the playoffs. He didn't really give them quality starts, but he was dominant out of the bullpen. And then I remember I want to say whenever it was the Diamondbacks won the World Series, Randy Johnson came out of the bullpen in game seven after pitching what game six, I believe. Yeah, on no days rest. Right. Uh, so I'm going to side with Hagai on on this one. Just that your best pitcher should be in the game in that situation in Game Seven of the World Series. And if you lose, mm-hmm. you lose. You 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 yeah. know what? You, you go down with your best. I think every great pitcher wants to be in that situation. We're talking about professional athletes in any sport. When you get to the highest level, and I mean Major League Baseball is. You know, I mean, the the elite of the elite. These are psychotically competitive people. Like we mere mortals can't really comprehend how nuts these guys these guys are when it comes to the intensity of of uh, of wanting to win at everything, not just the sport they play at. So, and yeah, I mean the the defined roles and the kind of the um, the comfort level and everything is very important because throughout the regular season, because it's just so damn long. It's so many games. It's so long. You really need everyone to have a role that they understand and a routine that they can follow, especially in baseball. I think that makes a lot of sense. But in the playoffs, it's different anyway because the schedule's different. You're traveling a lot more, but you have more off days. It's real, and you know you're playing the same team six, seven times as opposed to you know the three or four games at most in the regular season. Everything's different anyway, and these are the best of the best. And to to just ask them, well, it's going to be a little different, but we're going to get you in there in the toughest situations. I think all of them are saying, hell yes, get me in there. I want to help us win, whatever it takes. Well, and Game 7 of the World Series, there's no tomorrow. So you don't have to worry about rest for upcoming games. If you physically are able to throw an inning, if you can throw, say, 30 pitches, yeah, I mean, this is the end. Game 7 of the World Series. And Nationals Twitter was getting antsy during the game of, let's put in Strasburg, even though he threw 100 pitches yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, let's put him in to get some outs. But then Corbin was so good, and they scored more runs. They didn't. They didn't need it. But Nationals yeah. Twitter is like, we will sacrifice a live animal <laughs> if we win this fucking game. Correct. <laughs> Callie, we'll take our kidneys out just to get this win. Callie, your thoughts? Now, I agree with you. I think that you should put your best players on the field. Just you have to try to win Game Seven of the World Series. You have to do every single thing you can to win. And like you said, if you hurt the next day, well, you're off for a while, so you'll be all right. Well, yeah, and and I don't think anybody's advocating, you know, abusing a pitcher. Or, <laughs> no, or, or, they want to. I think right. they want to be in there. Absolutely. Like I, I just can't imagine any of them turning down the opportunity to win the World Series for their team. I agree. All right, let's move on to our next topic, which is the listener questions. So this week meaning earlier today, <laughs> I asked people to to uh, submit questions using the hashtag Boomers Love Billy Joel. So Roger Fletcher at rfletcher247 asks, are any of you guys legitimately excited about the Billy Joel announcement? Could they announce someone any more boring? Hashtag Boomers Love Billy Joel. Hashtag Bring On Metallica and Slayer. Roger, no, we're not excited. If you've not been able to tell so far. Who would have been worse? I think a bro country person like a Luke Bryan or like a Jason Aldean, that would have been worse. Or the Georgia line again. Oh, God, that's no, the I worst. Dis- be fucking I disagree that bro country would be worse. I think they'd all be bad. I think worse would be like a Christian rock band. Counting Crows. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Counting Crows <laughs> is not a Christian rock band. They're not? Like fucking Lecrae, Christian oh, rap. Casting, casting crowns, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. It's same to me. It's all, I don't like any of <laughs> Corn, porn, and reborn, my favorite man. Uh, yeah, we kind of already went through that. Um, let's see. Joshua Rutherford at Joshua R9476 asked hashtag boomers love Billy Joel. And this is a good one. I think we'll spend some time on it. Thoughts on the proposed major league or minor league baseball rules eliminating as many as forty-two teams and demotion promotion of certain clubs. Now, if you if you're not familiar with that, uh, 
There was a proposal by minor league baseball to eliminate 42 minor league affiliates and then moving around some of the teams left between like some teams would go all the way from single A to triple A. Uh, some teams would drop down uh, based on ge geographic considerations. And I know that's it's pretty much a non-starter in terms of negotiations because of all of the uh, players that would basically lose their jobs. I mean, you're talking about 42 uh, teams times, I don't know what minor league roster sizes are, 25 to 30 players each. That's a lot of players that are no, no longer playing. And with that, I think they would uh, reduce the amount of rounds in the draft as well. But what, let's start with you, Kelly. 42 minor league teams getting locked off. What do you think about that? What is their reasoning? I don't, I didn't really read about this. Like, what are, why? Just Economics. Um, well, the reasoning that uh, MLB and minor league baseball gave was that there's a lot of facilities that are not up to standard, and if they cut the, all these teams, meaning cutting a lot of jobs, they could p pay the players more. I don't know. They don't pay them anything. They don't pay them nearly enough, but are they really going to pay the players more if they just cut 42 teams? Or, or they pocket it. Money will go? Right. Yeah. I, I don't believe that that means they're actually going to pay anybody anymore. That sound, sounds nice, but I don't think they'll do it. Burn I don't love the idea. I think they should not cut 42 entire teams. Well, apparently there was a proposal before that that would have cut even more and that this was their compromise or whatever. Burmy. Yeah, cutting the teams is shitty. I, I think that speaks for itself. The idea of promotion and relegation amongst like cities. like The Dayton Dragons have been high, like low A, high A. I know they're high A, or they're low A right now, but, you know, the idea of having promotion relegation amongst them where like you could almost do it within the franchise, whichever city draws least. Well, guess what? You're the a ball club now. And the problem is with, with travel, it'd be really hard, Yeah, you know, on those teams. But the, I just, yeah, I'm only speaking on the idea. I already like the idea of promotion relegation as it is. I think it's, it's fascinating and it avoids tanking, which is great. But, uh, you know, to do that within the minor league system where, you reward the Dayton Dragons for selling out so much. Do they become the Triple A team? That's a hell of an easy drive to get to Cincinnati if you get called up. Well, I, so I think the not, way not, not 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 that Louisville's not for the record. But. Well, and I don't think that's what is being proposed. I think it's like a one-time kind of uh, moving up and down where to fit geographic uh, like divisions. But I, think, I mean, but I mean, I mean, let me live in my delusions of grandeur over here. I mean, that would make minor league baseball pretty interesting if you have promotion relegation within, say, A, double A, triple A. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If, if you could start off as, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, the, the problem is that geographically they're set up, you know, right. ge in ge geographic terms for travel and whatever. But if they were able to do it where, yeah, you reward the, you know, the franchises that draw the most attendance, whether it's percentage wise or whatever, and they can get promoted and make some more money and build them up, I, I think that'd be awesome. You know, it would keep everybody on their toes, and it would allow for great marketing opportunities and jobs for people out, you know, in baseball, but outside of actual baseball players, you know, mm -hmm. to, br to bring in more revenue for the city and, you know, boost the local economies. Just like an MLS, that's probably not going to happen. Hagai, <laughs> your Says, thoughts? Wait, are you saying that they should send FC Cincinnati down to the USL? Uh, they would have this year. <laughs> Hagai, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you had some sort of promotion relegation, like for minor league baseball, they're lo they're always looking for um, wacky marketing things just to get people interested in talking about the teams and having something really at stake at the end of the season for teams like, uh, you know, the race to, to move up or the race to avoid getting sent down. That, that might be kind of fun if they could somehow do it, although, like you're saying, logistically, it, it might be too difficult to pull off. Um, yeah, I had thought, like, like you all were saying earlier, that this whole getting rid of a bunch of teams, I had thought it, vaguely thought it kind of was tied into, I think going back longer, there was um, a move, a lot of movement by the players to get paid more. And because the minor league pay is, is, is just peanuts. Oh, it's brutal. And Yeah. So, like, I guess this is just the kind of uh, economic pushback from the, the ownership class of saying, like, well, if, you know, we'll, We'll throw you peasants some more money, but a bunch of you are going to lose your jobs. 
And I don't know where it's going to go, but I mean, I, it's hard to see minor league players having a ton of leverage. Um, and I don't know, I mean, how is it organized across all of the different leagues? Because we're talking about a whole bunch of different leagues in different regions of the country. Like, is there some collective kind of, uh, I don't know, they don't even really have a union, do they? Or just like... Um, well, I, 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 I believe that the, they, do ha- they, are, they do have a players association, but I th- it's mainly organized by league. So, like, there you you'll have a ball, but there's like three or four leagues in a ball, and then you you know you have a double a triple a. You also have rookie league. You have low a, advanced a. Uh, you have uh, fall league. You have uh, instructional league. There is, I mean, we're talking about a lot of franchises. Yeah, it's hard to. Um, I don't know how they do it organizationally as far as the players doing anything collectively. Um, that seems like a, a yeah. It'd be something to research. Like, like could minor league play? Sorry, could minor league players go on strike, and would it affect? Like, would would major league players be expected to go on strike if they're part of the same union? I'm I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but yeah, that was a good question. Uh, Hagai, you uh, you asked some Billy Joel uh, questions. Do you want me to ask answer or ask those? We gotta go for it. Yeah. So Hagai asked, uh, these were with the hashtag uh, Boomers Love Billy Joel. Since Davy's in the Navy and probably will be for life, does that mean he did 9-11? We all know that George Bush did 9-11. Uh, if the fire was always burning since the world's been turning, why isn't jet fuel enough to melt steel beams? <laughs> <laughs> Gapper did 9-11. Gapper did 9-11, that's true. <laughs> An airplane did 9-11. <clears throat> Ooh. Tom Brennan. Hot take there. Did 9-11. Uh, <laughs> Coop, haven't you been posting the uh, Tony Stewart? <laughs> yes, I should have done Yeah, Tony Stewart did 9-11. Tony Stewart's a murderer. Driving towards towers. So, I mean, so, Tony Stewart is a murderer. So, so, so this, of course, is the Billy Joel concert being on 9-11. So we got to go with the 9-11 troll memes that Coop is so fond of on Twitter. I mean, there might be a few next year. I'm just saying. So our next question comes from uh, Down Under, our uh, Australian friend, Jesse Byrne, at JBSON 1992. He asks, hashtag Boomers Love Billy Joel, what was the first and what was your favorite concert you've been to? Cheers and cheers. Well, my first concert was... (laughs) What? I just think it's so funny. This Australian guy just like found Red's Twitter. And now, like, tweets at all of us. I can't tell yeah, if he's, he's an elite. Best. I can't tell if he's an elite troll that's just like some random dude from Kentucky, or if he's actually Australian. Uh, I'm gonna say he's the real deal, because I believe it. I think he's a. I mean, he's a Reds fan. I mean, I mean, you have uh, whole people like in other countries they have that have like their own accounts for like, uh, you know, there's a lot of English people that are baseball fans, NFL fans, and. Just like we're Premier League fans, you know, up the mm. blues. But uh, oh fuck, it's that <laughs> Merseyside is red, Coop. Everyone knows it. Hey, let's answer uh, Jesse's question. So, first concert I ever went to was Metallica at Riverbend uh, back in the '90s, and my favorite Metallica concert because I go to a lot of Metallica concerts was at Rupp Arena back in when I was in college. They did a uh, they had done a concert at Kentucky Speedway and James had been hurt. So it was, they didn't cancel the show, but they just kind of did like a weird little everybody playing thing. And they did a makeup show at Rupp Arena. And that was my favorite Metallica concert I've been to. I've also seen them at US Bank Arena and saw them again at uh, Riverbend. And again, saw half of them at Kentucky Speedway. But that's my favorite concert. Let's, uh, Hagai, first concert and favorite concert. Not a big concert goer, but my first one actually was in Cincinnati as well. It was at the Shoe, the Shoemaker Arena. Um, uh, it was Paul Simon in 91 or 92 when he was touring then, uh, Rhythm of the Saints. That was a nice show. Hmm. And favorite one, I would say, probably it was in um, summer of 97 uh, when I was in college. I was at a program thing in the Northeast in Rutgers, and we went, a bunch of us went to Philadelphia for 4th of July. And they had a big celebration in front of the art museum and a free concert by none other than Ray Charles. So now that uh, would have been awesome to go to. Pretty fantastic. He didn't. He didn't see it coming. Boom. 
Correct. Now, Ray Charles was blind. It's uh, Stevie Wonder that we're, we're pretty sure isn't actually blind. That's the conspiracy theory. Yes. yes. Burmy. First concert, favorite concert. I, oh, fuck. I haven't been to a whole lot of concerts, to be honest. I, uh, I don't know. I, I just haven't really been to one. I th- actually think the first one I went to was like in high school, like one of those like everybody bought tickets. They do this like big country concert at the shoe, and it was just like a big social event we all went to. Not that anybody really cared about the music. So I think that was actually like the first concert I went to. But uh, one, I, one I went to that uh, was kind of cool was we got offered free tickets to um, Express Live here in Columbus to see, uh, is it the 1975? Is that how you say it? I, I, the, 1975. I <laughs> they're like uh, they're like some British band, but we got to sit in the VIP part, and somebody brought me drinks all night, and it was like an outdoor concert in like June, and I just had a utter fuckload of free gin and tonics, and it was pretty wild. So now that would make that, for a pretty good concert. It was a pretty great concert. It was a lot of uh, a lot of Tanqueray consumed that evening, and uh, we had a great time. So yeah, tickets were free, drinks were free. All right, Callie, first concert and favorite concert. Uh, I. Also not a good concert goer. Not not my favorite thing, but I remember being six or seven, my parents took me to a Billy Ray Cyrus concert. Oh, jeez. And it was, it was Awful. a lot. It was Awful. somewhere outside, and it was muddy. It was exactly what you would expect from like a 1996 Billy Ray Cyrus concert. You have the sweet mullet thing going on. Um <laughs> I don't, I just, I don't know. I guess my favorite one I went to, I saw Mac Miller once and before he died, and it was really good. He was good. So you saw him All before right. he died? Yes, before okay. he died. Okay. He just recently died. I, I know. That was, was a joke. Uh, I didn't know that you liked anything but Slayer. Kelly went to an XXX Extension concert. Extension, whatever, yeah. <laughs> He's oh. still dead, by the way. He's still dead. He's oh. still dead, and that's oh. all right. So our final question comes from Ram at Uncram. He asks, hashtag boomers love Billy Joel. With the Reds picking up Galvis's option and outright and outriding Dietrich is Squirt P. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shout out Jeremy. Oh God. A guy your oh, thoughts. God. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what actually happened there, but uh, it sounds good. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck, man? I had a question. You had a question? Did I? Did you not send it? Or did no, I, I submitted it. Did you use the hashtag? Yeah. Are you sure? Because I didn't see that. Use the right one. Did you spell it wrong? Because I just... Oh, wait. Okay. I find it now. I found it now. So, our another question from Burmy. Hashtag Amers love Billy Joel more than beating up Phil. Get it? Because old people beat up Phil. Shout out, Phil. Shout out to Phil, who's abandoned us. <laughs> just, like, just like my dad. So that, uh, that'll take us to the Tom Brennan Memorial Cornhog of the Week. So we'll go around the room here, and uh, everybody will pick their dick of the week. <laughs> and since she just coughed, we'll start with Kelly. <laughs> Who's your Tom Brennan Memorial Cornhog of the Week? T.I. I'm pretty sure that. Because I can't think about what a fucking creepy is. Yeah. Like, oh, that story was that. awful. Now I, I can't. It's sickening. And so, yeah. Fuck that guy. Cornhog of the Week. So, if you don't know that story, just uh, do a search for T.I. and uh, Hyman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. It's that uncomfortable. It's so bad. Yes. Burmy, your Cornhog of the Week. Man, I met T.I. at a Waffle House when I was 17 in Atlanta. Now, now I'm like, it was a cool story. Now it's not a cool story. It's just real disappointing. Isn't what he a, the one that got into a shootout on 75? Yes, in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like one of, his, one of his friends died in it. Holy shit. Yeah, Cornhog. Yeah. Yeah, that was, man, that was like 10 years ago now. Yeah. People don't forget. Never forget. No, because it was like a it was like a like a rolling gun battle down seventy five, where the the people in one car and then Ti and the people in his car were like just shooting at each other for like three miles. Yeah, it was nuts. But anyway, Burmy, you're cornhog of the week. Mm, this is a tough decision. Hey, you know what? Can you go to Hagai and come back to me? Sure, Hagai, 
Give us your Tom Burnman Memorial Cornhog of the Week. So there are a lot of people who fall under this one. Um, in professional soccer in Italy, there are a whole shitload of racists who are just going nuts now. I saw oh, that, the, yes. the Battelle Good. thing. Good. And there are a lot of racists all over European soccer. <laughs> we definitely should not just be singling out Italy, but it's particularly bad there. There was a game this last week, uh, Mario Balotelli, a player who's been around a long time, who's from a Ghanaian immigrant family, although born and raised in Italy. His team, Brescia, was playing at Verona, and these fans just started these racist chants at him, like monkey chants. And yeah. he, the, he got so mad, understandably, that he wanted to leave the field. And his teammates and the other team, unfortunately, convinced him to stay. They should have all walked off with him. And after the game, all these, the, the corn hawks are. So the coach for Verona, the opposing team, like the mayor of Verona, the city council, all these people are like, oh, no, there's no racists here. It didn't happen, blah, 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 just denying it outright. And there was um, a related incident a couple months ago has, I think, a, a particularly crazy um side to it, um, a similar one with Romelu Lukaku, a big star from Belgium, Belgian national team, had played in the Premier League for many years with uh, Manchester United and with Coop's belovedly mediocre Everton. <laughs> he plays now for um, uh, Inter Milan, one of the yeah. big power teams in Italy, and uh, some racist fans at a team they were playing at Cagliari earlier this season, they were, I think, also chanting monkey chants at him. So, of course, it became a big deal, and um, was that the Champions League game that they almost no, canceled? No. Which one? Was, or that was Liverpool, wasn't it? Wasn't that? Some, uh, who was, was it? Liverpool? I don't remember. No, there no, was no, England, no. Was, there was an England Bulgaria the English, Euro. The World. English national team in Bulgaria. Oh, okay. oh that was Euro League. Euro that wasn't Champions. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, European yep. Euro 2020 qualifying in Bulgaria. Um, so with Lukaku and Inter Milan. So um, this happened at uh, Cagliari, and so Lukaku, of course, was, was very angry about it, and. So the real, this is really crazy to consider. So some of the Inter Milan fans, this group of ultras, as they call it, which basically means thuggish racist fan groups, more or less synonymous with that. So Lukaku was talking about what had happened to him. So this Inter Milan ultra group was like, oh, no, you have to understand when these fans say this, they don't really mean it in a racist way. Like we do this, too. And there is no racism here in Italy and everything. So to step back for a second, consider what happened here. So a player was had racist chants thrown at him by fans of another team. These quote-unquote fans of his team took the side not of their own player, but of the opposing team's fans. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine what the fuck is that? You yeah. had a chance to troll and cuss out fans of another team, like, "Hey, you guys are assholes. You know, go away. You're you're a bunch of whatevers." How racist do you have to be? To take the side of rival teams' fans against your own player—that's awful. That is—it's unbelievable. I mean, Can you imagine like, they Red, literally... like a Reds player, like the Reds player had racist chants thrown at them in St. Louis, like Dan Graves. You imagine some Reds fans being like, "No, no, you have to understand the Cardinals fans. It's you know they don't mean it." Like what? Right. What the fuck? Yeah, best fans Absolutely. in baseball. They, I mean, Italians have always been racist. They didn't even consider Sicilians people. I mean. And they were an Axis power, so fuck it, Italians. Uh, yep, exactly. Hey, you know what? That's another reason to hate Manchester United. Their head coach, sweet, you know, he's Norwegian. They just bent right over and took it from the Nazis. So uh, obviously, what a, obviously what the a best scumbag. Obviously, the best Italian is John Calipari, but still. Uh, oh my God, <laughs> Burmy, your cornhog of the week. You know, after uh, after some delegation, and uh, you know, after having thought about it. I'm not going to top anyone else, so I'm just going to throw up Yadier Molina. Didn't he already win? Yeah, but you know, let's just have him go again and see what happens. I think it'd be kind of funny. I'll put Yadier Molina again. <laughs> just because <laughs> I think it's great. Because fuck him. Because fuck that guy. Now, he's the, uh, the the one who gets the Emmy nomination every single year from the same show. He's he's going to be like the first two-time winner, so I'll send him like two Cornhog trophies uh, if he wins. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You know what? You know what? I do have one. Uh, the safety for the Browns, Jermaine Whitehead. Oh, that's okay. My corn, I'll put that that's my corn hog of the week. He's my corn hog of the week because he. I mean, obviously the Browns are trash. You, you know, tr the, the the team is trash. Uh, the front office is garbage. Uh, the Browns are just a fucking hot mess. So feel better about it, Bengals fans. They both are terrible. 
At least the Bengals didn't have the expectations. And this motherfucker is in full uniform tweeting offensive, homicidal, and racist things at fans tweeting at him, including a Browns beat writer slash former Buckeye slash former NFL player Dustin Fox, where he sends him the Browns headquarters address to come fight him as if he was going to show up to Brown's headquarters on Monday to do anything but clean out his locker. Jermaine Whitehead, Jermaine Whitehead, you are a corn hog. You fucking idiot. Apparently Berea, Ohio is the new Temecula. So (laughs) for my corn hog of the week, and I know we don't, uh, we don't do politics here, but this is a special occasion. You Matt, can't say Matt Bevan. Matt Bevan. You can't include that Matt in the podcast, Coop. Matt Bevan. You have to stay true to the no politics. My you podcast, know, the sponsors, the sponsors my rules. You know, don't to help you. Don't let the big blue door hit you in the ass <laughs> on the way out. Oh, and that's man. all I'm going to say. <laughs> Later, Matt. Uh, so that about wrap up this edition of the podcast. Uh, we'll go around the room here and have everybody give their final thoughts. And let's start with Callie. You come back, man. I don't have any That's a great outro there. Uh, Burmy, your final thoughts. I want to give a shout out to the College Football Playoff Committee. And I will preface by saying that the team voted number one in the first has never won, you know, the College Football Playoff. But I want to give them a shout out because they could have had an easy out by making LSU won Bama 2 and Ohio State 3 and really shit-pumping the SEC for this weekend's big matchup, which I'm not down, you know, downplaying how big of a matchup that is. But they did put the team that's looked the most dominant week in and week out at number one, so I'll give them a shout-out on the podcast because I thought that was good. But and Penn State over out. Clemson, though? I don't know about that. I honestly have no problem with that because Clemson hasn't played a ranked team this year yet. And they, they don't have one on their schedule. And they're, they're probably going to go 13-0 without playing a ranked team because the ACC Coastal winner is not going to be ranked. So they're not – I mean, it, Trevor Lawrence doesn't look that good. They haven't really played any ranked teams yet. I, I think that it's fine right now because, I mean, we'll find out what Penn State's made of when they go to Minnesota and they got to come to the shoe on November 23rd. So oh, yeah, that's true. That'll, yeah, that'll sort itself out. So I actually have no problem with, with the way they – they ranked everybody right now. I wouldn't have cared if Ohio State was number seven. Not that they would, but I, I don't give a fuck where they put the Buckeyes. I yeah, give first ranking. For not, yeah. Yeah, just just not just shit pumping, you know, the game that week that'll sort itself out and going two versus three is just as good as one versus two. Everybody's going to watch it anyways. Who cares? The Buckeyes have looked the most dominant out of the four teams, you know, in my opinion, and probably everybody else's opinion too, unless you just really hate Ohio State. So... You know, I want to give them a shout out. I also want to give a shout out to uh, college basketball being back for you guys. Hell I know. Yeah. I, mean, I I like Buckeye basketball, but I want to give a shout out to uh, everybody who loves college basketball. And I know we had a great night last night. I hope we have a great season. Boom, Hagai, your final thoughts? Yeah, shout out to Tyrese Maxey, <laughs> superstar. And, yeah, Tyrese Maxey. Hello to debut. Um, my uh, favorite. He went to class this morning too. Yes, he did. They posted on Twitter. Um, (laughs) My favorite moment of the Nationals on-field celebration after they won Game 7 was um, uh, Max Scherzer and Annabelle Sanchez finding each each other because they, of course, had been teammates in Detroit and they'd been to the playoffs a few times, even the World Series, but they'd fallen short each time. And um, Max was hugging someone else and then when he saw Sanchez, he just sprinted over and gave him a huge bear hug and they were hugging each other for a long time and they were both crying. And that was just really lovely to see. It was uh, a very special connection. I think that those guys, those two guys share that really no one else on the team had because most of the other guys on the team had never been in the World Series before. And those two guys had been through it before with another team. And then they managed to circle around. And they're about the same age. They've been in the major leagues about the same time for, um, you know, like more than 12 years at this point. And for them to share that moment together, I thought was, uh, was really lovely. Yeah. And, uh, I'll add uh, Sean Doolittle. Is, he's probably become my favorite current member of the Nationals now that Anthony Rendon's a free agent. He just does a lot of good for people, and I'll just leave it at that. You can look him up. Uh, so for my uh, final thought, 
I want to give a shout out to the people of Kentucky for doing what was necessary on Tuesday. And a shout out to the Kentucky Wildcats for taking down Michigan State. Tom Izzo, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, Suck it, Larry Nasser. <laughs> Callie, do you have a final thought or are you I good do, with I do. Okay, go ahead. Um, I am going to Lambo this weekend. And if anyone has made it this far through this podcast and has ever gone, I would like to know what I should do. What does what someone do there? Because we're going to have extra time that I black out so well black out the high temperature is 29 degrees that day and the wind chill is going to be 10 so it's gonna be a little chilly bourbon Uh, bourbon yes but all weekend so i've got a few days so anything that i need to do let me know green bay i believe is the smallest market of any professional team in america it's basically oh, nothing yeah. and then a football stadium. I mean, I hey. guess you could consider Milwaukee uh, as as another like uh, market for it, but it's basically a small town that has a football team. It's like Portsmouth. All right, so for Haggai and Kelly and Burmy, this is Coop saying we'll talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio.